0: Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show where we talk about short video games, the sort of things you can pick up and complete in an evening or a weekend, games that respect your time. I'm your host, Regan Kelly, and I am joined once again this week by Lauren Nash. How are you doing, Laura?
1: Spectacularly.
0: And by my bro host and real-life twin brother, Shane. How are you doing, Shane? I'm in my final form. And uh, Nate. How are you doing, Nate? I'm good. That is, that is Nate Heininger. I've given all of the others the dignity of their last names, might as well do yours very important to me lest i be confused
2: with a different name there are many mates uh i'm good you you pulled me out of my vault i'm here to talk about some more undertale
0: yeah i'm really glad that i could summon both you and shane from your fallout 4 stupors and uh and next to your microphones to talk some more about undertale um if you have been following the show you will know that our last episode was also about undertale there's a reason behind all of this Uh, Last week, our episode was all about Undertale without spoilers. Um, This is uh, a game that uh, spoilers are, I wouldn't say they would ruin the experience, but they would certainly lessen some of the many exciting surprises of the game. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode or haven't played Undertale, this particular episode isn't really for you. Maybe go back and listen to the last episode, which is all about this same game, Completely, or at least very largely spoiler-free, start there, and then meet us back here, where we're going to be talking about all the details of the plot and endings and all of the strange revelations of
2: Undertale. If this is your first time listening to the short game, I'm sorry (laughs) that you picked this week. This Uh, is going to make
1: no sense
2: unless you're a big fan of Undertale, which you know I made a joke about. uh, You know, not playing any Fallout, but I will say it would have to. It takes a pretty awesome game to get me to you know crawl out of that vault, and I am super excited to continue our conversation about Undertale uh, because this is also maybe the only game we've done two entire episodes about yeah I, I,
0: fail except I, for life is strange uh which, well that's you know, true but that's a multi-part game
2: yeah exactly and also one of our episodes went so long that it was split into two but this is a planned two-part episode uh so we're gonna do our best to uh, to restrain ourselves and talk about
0: this in some way that makes some kind of sense this game led me on a serious wiki reading binge and we're gonna talk about all of the cool stuff towards the end but first we we're gonna kind of just talk our way through the game a little bit, not beat by beat or moment by moment, but trying to hit some of the highlights and some of the, some of these spoilery moments that we couldn't talk about last time that we are desperate to talk about our favorite parts of the game. Um, and I thought it might be good to start with just the fighting. What are the, hardest or best fights that uh, that were the most memorable for you from the game?
1: I mean, I died the most with Asgore, but I had the most fun fighting Metatron because it was basically fighting David Bowie in all of his glam rock glory. <laughs> I mean, the guy has a pelvis... Um, it's not a shake. It's more like a circular wiggle. It's on
0: a swivel, yeah. It's a swivel.
1: <laughs> and there's like, le- you're avoiding kicking legs and there's sparkles. I mean, it is the dream of the 80s is alive and well in the Metatron battle. I did a lot, but I loved it.
0: Metatron, or excuse me, I think I keep mispronouncing it because I think it's Metatron. 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 Yeah. Metatron, yeah. Metatron is the angel from the Bible, if you're following along, Bible Metatron? <laughs> No, Megatron no me- is- Metatron. Megatron.
1: We're not very. Is,
0: is- <laughs> We're going to get into some deep business here on the short the- game. <laughs> um, so, Metatron. So Metatron uh, has actually, I think, like three fights, and every one of them is a complete, like. Uh, like bend and destruction of the normal fighting mechanics of the game. The first one that I remember most was when Metaton bursts into Alphys's lab and, uh, and confronts you there. And he's still in his like boxy robot body at that point. And uh, his way of, uh, of fighting you is with a quiz show. And rather than having your like regular four boxes for things like fight or check or item, uh, you have, like, four quiz responses. And then little Alfie's is right there trying to give you hints by
2: doing little, like, hand signs for, like, A or B or C. That was so genius. Well, Metaton is a very popular robot, okay? So, doesn't have time to just do normal fights. Quiz show, far more entertaining. Frankly, I would watch Metaton's TV show.
1: I mean, he's a media mogul. He's got a cooking show, which somehow ends in rocket launches.
2: As um, all good cooking shows do. And then he
1: just... Becomes a pop star. I mean, he has hit every single platform. Go, Metaton!
2: Yeah, we're all big Metaton fans, obviously. Yeah, that
0: that ladder fight was particularly good. The the one after the um, uh, after the cooking show, when you have to convert your phone into a jetpack and cruise <laughs> up through it, and, and suddenly it becomes a sort of a Gradius-style like upwards-pointing, dodging shooter. That was. <laughs> I mean, there's so many little moments in this game where they just throw in a mechanic or a new twist on an old mechanic that you've never seen before. And Metaton did that in every single moment that he was on screen. He was... He wasn't probably my favorite character because I didn't have the affection for him that I had for somebody like Toriel, for example. Well, but, but that's not fair. I know it's not. Metaton is like he's a cold human killing robot machine. And, yeah. and, and he's a rectangle. He's not like an adorable <laughs> smiling <laughs> like, face. Like, like, true. A, like, a, like a sad bear or whatever Toriel is. Can I just say that I really kind of want to cosplay as him if I ever do cosplay and
2: uh, have the balls to wear the heels myself? I think that would be a good one. In reality, you know, we talk about how much the mechanics get switched up uh, during the fights and stuff. And really, it's just like, like what direction can you move your little heart left and right? Um, but somehow, it, it feels unique every single time. And I guess it's like the type of attack that they're doing. Like, it's teardrops or giant axes, or you're actually controlling a jetpack. Like, it's still really just moving left, right, up and down uh, and dodging things. But it's like the the total package makes every one of them feel feel really unique. Yeah, and the way that all of those little dodging mini-games are so deeply
0: tied to the personality of the monster that you're fighting or avoiding fighting. I mean, you know, none of those would really make sense. You know, the the quiz show thing would make no sense at all if you were fighting one of the dogs, but with Metaton it's perfect. So so many little um, intersections between the variations on the mechanic and
2: the story that it's trying to tell and the characters that it's trying to sort of illustrate. Yeah. Uh, you're talking about, you know, like favorite fights. Uh, I think about uh, Aaron, um, who's just like super buff <laughs> and you just have to like out flex him until he flexes away. Uh, he's really hard to dodge. Cause he's just like coming at you with his giant biceps mm-hmm. and, and, like I could never get the rhythm down on dodging those biceps, so I got hit by him all the time. Um, I think about Jerry, who just really just wants to be, uh, you know, part of the pack. <laughs> and if someone else flees, Jerry'll flee, but he might come back. I liked um, both of the Snowdrakes. The one, the uh, the, the teenage Snowdrake that was uh, just
0: wanted to be a comedian, and he told jokes and, you know, yeah. you, you had to laugh at his jokes in order to make friends with him. And then his father who you meet later, who explains, well, you know, he ran away from home because his, uh, his, you know, his mother died and he's, he's not been handling it well. And then, I mean, we'll talk about some stuff later, but that was one that when I realized what was going on later in the game, it was a little bit heartrending. Like yeah. there's a, there's so many little funny things that also have heart and kind of make you make you look at
2: them a second time one of my favorite sometimes i like, maybe their mechanic or their joke wasn't necessarily the best but just their names were great like astigmatism <laughs> mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> made me laugh every single time i thought that the, the fights with all
0: of the dogs were marvelous um mm-hmm. because all of them were really behaving in a way like dogs like you you had you had to pet them a certain amount of times for them to be happy but also you know they would run away they would come back they would you know it was it was this sort of push and pull of trying to get them to uh, to, you know, calm down or rile them up or whatever. It was just very cute and dog-like. And it, you didn't really have to think a lot about like,
2: okay, what do I do next? What's the puzzle? No, you just sort of treat them like a dog and eventually they, eventually <laughs> they come the, around. Uh, the two dogs that um, oh, you you have to roll around to first smell like another dog. Dogami so- and Dogessa. Yeah, so they think that, uh, that you're a puppy and then you pet them and they're like, Oh my god, a, another dog that pets other dogs. This is <laughs> mind-blowing. Like, yeah, this is Amazing. a revolution. Like, may, are you a new breed of dog and <laughs> and that like that's how you win that fight? That was so great. Become a dog and pet both of them. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so good. The dog thing is so funny. I'm sorry, one last thing with dogs. There's, <laughs> there's there's that little bit of animation where uh it's one of the like one of the last of like bigger dogs that you see um where you're going around to like little snow mounds and then one of the snow mounds like a little dog head pops out and a little tail and then it like steps out of the little snow mound and it's a giant like suit of armor the greater mm-hmm. dog yeah the greater dog it's just that it's like Gag anime. I'll be honest,
0: that was amazing. Yeah, it, it was the greatest dog. That was my favorite sprite
2: of all time. Like, yeah, of all so the sixteen
0: funny. bit sprites I have ever seen, I think perhaps it's, my favorite is. And, the and he hops dog. out of it. Also,
1: after you calm down that dog and you bring him, you go back to him in Snowden, and you try to talk to him. All the dog does is fart.
0: <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> That's
1: all the dog does. He goes. <laughs> And he kind of looks at you with a stupid look on his face, and the music keeps playing.
0: <laughs> All the dog does is fart. So, m- one of my favorite fights in the game was actually one of the ones that was hardest, and there are some things about this fight that I think are a little bit of a roadblock. Um... And I mean, I wouldn't go so far as to call the fight bullshit, but it's a bit of bullshit. And yet I still kind of loved it. And that's the fight with Moffat, the spider woman. Yeah, that was some bullshit. I got so stuck there. Well, it's one of the few fights in the game where you really have to wait it out. Well, I I don't know about that. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, playing the waiting game in this this game. But in this Mm -hmm. one in particular, like, uh, you're given two options. One is to uh, give her money and the other is to just do nothing. yeah, and you can and bankrupt yourself doing it. I totally did and then like immediately there also so I wound up using all of my healing items and giving her all of my money, like a like a like a, a loser middle schooler getting beat up uh, for his lunch money. And then there's plenty of fights right afterwards. So <laughs> uh, you yeah. know between between her and the next save point is like a pretty nasty grind. It was. It, it's not my favorite fight mechanically. I think it's been a roadblock for a few people. I've been on the, um, on the duck feed slack uh, this week a lot, and um, uh, Gary Butterfield has been playing this game in preparation for talking about it on his show, and he's had a bit of a dimmer view of the game than I have. I think, Shane, maybe he had an m- experience more along the lines of yours, and this was a big roadblock for him, too. I remember dying to Moffat two or three times and then looking up a wiki article about her. And even then, it's not easy because you have to wait it out until finally one of her spider friends arrives and tells you or tells Moffat, rather, that you haven't been killing any spiders and that you're actually kind of nice. And then she gives you a pass. But you have to survive long enough.
1: If you bought a spider donut or spider cider at the beginning of the game, I think that spider shows up a little earlier and is like, no, they supported the bake sale.
0: Oh, yeah. Like you basically can skip the fight, but those items are expensive but do don't those things count
2: like a million cost like a million gold or or bottle caps or whatever? No, not the first one at the very beginning of the game though. in the ruins, oh. yeah, if
1: you bought one for thirty, I mean, I ate it right away because I've sucked at the game and needed health. But at the end of the game, that that spider friend came back a little earlier and said, hey, this, I saw this girl at the earlier bake sale, don't kill her.
2: Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, for me, this game was very much like, okay, what are the like actionable um, things? Like What can I do or what's different about each moment? Like It would kind of spell itself out. So she would do like three attacks and then it would say something like, uh, what's her name again, is looking for Moffat. I was going to say Muffet, but I knew that wasn't right. Uh, <laughs> Maybe Moffet. it is
0: Muffet, actually. Let me double check. It is Muffet. Is <laughs> been, it? Okay. I had it wrong. It's okay, Muffet. So, like little Miss yeah. Muffet,
2: obviously. I was right. <laughs> there we go. You were, so, you were right all along. So it's like – and that was like the game for me was like troubleshooting the fights almost. Like, okay, so what's the variable here? Okay, every fourth attack, she asks for her friend. So that must be the moment. So then you pay her off so that – the because we didn't say when you give her money – it says like she won't attack you as hard for a while. Yeah, her, her she won't attack you as hard, and that was the hardest fight to, or that was the hardest moment when she'd call on her like silly goofy spider friend, and you had to like dodge it the whole time. So if you just pay right before that silly spider friend appears, then the fight's actually not too difficult, especially if you're stocked up on crab apples, yeah. which were my go-to uh, health item. There
0: were a few fights like this in the game that seemed harder than sort of the surrounding material, and obviously that's partly just because they're boss fights, but I think a big part of it was just that some of the fights were trying to be so experimental that they also became kind of obscure. You know, I didn't really understand what the process was that was going on with Muffet. Another one of these was the, I think it's the last fight you have with, um, uh, with David Bowie bought. Um, Megatron. Mega, um, me- Metaton. Metaton. <laughs> Metaton. Our lord and savior, Megatron. <laughs> Mr. Handy. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, the, the final fight you have with him has this mechanic where you have to get the ratings up for the TV show and there's different actions you can take and all of them are part of the fight, but they also have an effect on the ratings meter and the whole goal is to kind of get the ratings up. I had no idea about the ratings mechanic and I thought that I was, you know, I, I just thought it was moving randomly. I didn't even really understand how it was connected with what I was doing. And that fight also kicked my ass quite a bit because I didn't understand what was going on with the ratings mechanic. Things like that come out of nowhere and sometimes you just get them and you're like, Oh, that's clever. That's amazing. And then other times they come out of nowhere and you don't get them and it becomes a huge roadblock.
2: So had you dated Undyne yet to that point? No, no, I had not. Oh, uh, okay. Cause mm-hmm. I felt like, um, I'd already been kind of trained cause there's, I um, mean I know we're about to talk about dates but like in the dating thing like there's a moment where you're having like a fight with Undyne but what you're trying to do is raise your dating power ah. and 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 I like I did that like I pretty much like made it past Undyne and immediately went back I'm not I'm sorry not Undyne Papyrus is the one that you yes. have, like, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I did uh,
0: all the dates near the end of the game. I kind of I, oh, left I had dated
2: last. Papyrus as soon as possible, and I felt like absolutely.
1: That, I mean, you got to jump yeah. on that. That guy, is yeah. Come awesome. on,
2: he's the most popular. Uh, <laughs> so many friends. Um, That's and a so, great font. So, like, that kind of did train me a little bit. That, like, sometimes there's going to be, you know, fights that are. I just did quotation marks on a podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> so fights that are like you're trying to raise a bar or you're trying to like you're not necessarily trying to give mercy or trying to like kill something you're trying to like accomplish a goal within that moment, and so that's the a really good point.
0: I didn't even connect those two, but I think yeah if I, if I had done the uh the papyrus date beforehand, I might have connected those dots a little better. One last fight I want to talk about before we move on to talking about all the romance of the game was the Asgore fight at the very end, which was another big roadblock for me, but also somehow, one of my favorite fights in the game. Like, I died, like, dozens of times. (laughs) Like, no joke, I died probably, I think I died more than 20 times trying to kill Asgore. Like, a lot of times.
1: And if you check, he says, I've already killed you 20 times.
0: Yeah. Fortunately, there's a save point right outside his door. So I was just, like, piling into that room and getting killed again and again and again and again and again. And I will say that, to the game's credit, um... It does feel like a really, you know, final, final boss. It feels really dramatic. It feels like you're employing all the things you've learned throughout the whole game about the different types of dodging mechanics and colors and things like that. And you really do have to put a lot into that fight. But given, even with, apart from the Temi armor, I had the best stuff you could get, like the fancy armor that you get towards the end of the game. I forget what it's called, but the stuff that you find in the house. I, I had the nice stuff. And yet I was still getting my ass kicked again and again and again. And it was at that point after um, after dying probably 20 times. To- I think it did say, and I'm pretty sure it was 20 or 23 times. I did a bunch of Googling, found out about the Temi armor, backtracked and got it, went back and, you know, curb stomped him in one go. Um, but without that, like, it was just punishing hard. I'm glad the game kind of included that Temi armor as a kind of a release valve for people who got frustrated and just wanted to get past Asgore, but, I, you know, I won't deny that the game has these spikes in difficulty, like Muffet and like Asgore, that can come kind of out of nowhere.
1: I died 14 times and then beat him without Temi armor.
0: Wow, good for but you. But I
1: felt very accomplished, but I also died 14 times yeah, in a
2: row. Yeah, that is a lot of times, like... He's he's lethal. So I had Timmy Armor because I followed Reagan's uh, advice on this. I had Timmy Armor. I beat yeah, him on the s- I beat him on the second try. Um, but it, I feel like it's skewed because you guys went and fought him and then when got Timmy Armor, I went into it with Timmy Armour And once, like, they do a really cool thing where it's, um, you know, blue attacks if you're not moving, orange attacks if you are moving. I liked that, like, having to, like, rapid fire do it, like, move, don't move, don't move, don't move, move, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, you could also just, like, even if you got hit in that, as long as you were dodging the other stuff, like, it was fine.
1: But I suspect most of us are lovers and not fighters.
2: Oh my! Ooh.
1: I know. Worst segue ever. No, no, best, 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 best so best segue. segue.
0: You guys know me and games that involve romance. Like nothing will, nothing will make Reagan's little heart pitter pat like a video game with dates in it.
1: Dun, 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 dun. <laughs>
2: Well, Freedom Planet didn't have dates in it, so I don't. I mean, it's. I don't know. If it had that interminable
0: <laughs> TV watching scene. I, I guess you could count that as a date. Oh
2: my God, you're right. The whole thing was like a dating simulator without any actual dating. So. Well, the dating was in my head, but um, the, <laughs> oh, the gross. dates in they're this are like kids. <laughs> no, they're not. They're
0: they're dragons and cats. <laughs> they're
2: like they're definitely children, <laughs> dragons and cats. Oh. We're not talking about me. We're talking about Do not dates cut in Undertale. This. We're talking about dating know.
0: monsters,
1: guys. People need exactly. to exactly.
0: So, um, this is something that I was really, really pleased to see the game include. Um, and you get to date three characters. Uh, Papyrus, Undyne, and Alphys. And what was really interesting to me about this was, like, I didn't know about the dates. I didn't, didn't know that that was a thing. Until I had all, gotten all the way through and beaten Asgore and gotten the neutral ending. So, when I completed the game at that point, you know, you you've beaten the game. Um, And we'll talk about what the neutral ending kind of entails, but after the sort of final uh, you know, curtain of the neutral ending, uh, Flowey shows up and tells you essentially to reset the game and will give you, if you haven't gone on all the dates, and in which case I hadn't gone on any, um, Flowey shows up and will tell you to go on a date, basically. He says, hey, maybe you should, uh, uh, it seemed like you were good friends with uh, Papyrus, maybe you should go talk to him or something like that. When I
2: did, oh my gosh, the Papyrus date, guys, was so great. It's yeah. really funny. You gotta love that spaghetti. Papyrus is such an over-the-top character who all he wants is to have friends and be loved and be famous and just be like, everyone knows who Papyrus is. And you go on the date and he, and Papyrus is like over the moon that someone wants to date him and be friends and and like this is everything coming together and so i and, you know we can kind of discuss how you guys played it but you have various like dialogue choices as you're going through it to kind of uh, guide the date along and i went full blown like we're dating Papadus. oh yeah oh yeah so oh is yeah there I, any I, other okay. choice i assume most people did and it's what's so funny about it uh is they flip it on its head where like you go through this whole thing just like professing your love or professing your like friendship with Papyrus. You do the the fight that's kind of like the Metaton where you're like you're performing actions at Papyrus trying to raise like the date power. And he finally like goes over the top and he's like, listen, we need to talk. Clearly, you like me way more than I like you. I tried to make it work. We're just not going to. We just can't be together. And it all comes crashing. I was like, but can we still be friends?
0: I love how all of these dates end in like, oh, well, you know, somebody lets somebody else down easy. And uh, everybody parts as friends. Even though. Yeah.
1: I mean, I wouldn't say that the uh, uh, Undine date ends. I mean, yes, you get let down easy. You also leave her house a smoky, fiery ruin.
0: (laughs) Only fire lives here now.
1: (laughs) Only fire lives here now. Yes, it's a cooking Uh, date. And um, there's lots of spear throwing. She breaks her kitchen table in half. Um, You like have a metal cooking date where you are the most badass punk person trying to cook spaghetti and you burn the house down. And it's so satisfying.
0: That was so fun, too. And I loved how it kind of both of these turn the date in. You use the fighting mechanics for the date, but both in kind of different ways. Um, And I I remember in the in the Undine date there's this one moment that I just think is amazing where she's asking you what you want to drink and there's options out on the on the counter like uh tea and uh soda and like salt and it gives you Undine's little spear and you like have to point it at the at the thing that you want and just something about the way that interface worked was just so funny and cute
1: especially that one of the drinks is labeled clearly the right choice
0: Yeah that's the tea right and I mean you know uh, ominously it's the yellow flower tea that Asgore likes Ooh. Mm. Mm. so all of the dates were super great but alphys's date and I'm pronouncing it the same way that you guys were right I don't know that's how I was pronouncing it in my head Alphys. that was a yeah, name that, about I w- that last time
2: yeah that was a name that was just like I know the that string of letters yeah yeah it's like Hermione in Harry Potter yeah yeah Hermione like I pronounced it for the first two books in my head mine was Hermoyne <laughs>
0: Yep, uh, Alfie's uh, Alfie's date is my favorite bar none because what at the end of the Undyne date you get the the letter from Undyne to Alfie's where she's confessing her love but she doesn't sign it and when you deliver it to Alfie's she's assuming it it's from you. Um, which, by the way, that moment in retrospect where she's at, she's behind the door of her lab and you slide the letter under the door and she's in there saying, I don't want to read it. I can't read it. They've sent so many. No, I'm going to. I have to read it. Like, it's so sad when you think about, no, she's been receiving all this mail from the from the parents.
1: Oh, I, I didn't put that together because I, in my... Um, Timeline—it's a little bit off because I completed two dates because you can't go on the Alfie's date if you're doing a pacifist run until the second time you play. Right. So I actually had slid under the door, and yeah, she had some muttering that I thought it was like, oh, it must be bill collectors or something. I forgot that moment even existed.
0: Yeah, and you know, when, so you, when you go into her room, there's all these piles of letters, and it's like she's not answering them, and there's a good reason, and we'll talk about that, I guess, in more detail mm-hmm. when we talk about the true lab. Um, so the Alfie's date, of course, is date-wise is super cute, because she goes uh, with you to the junkyard, which is where she feels most at home, poor thing. And then uh, you, you encounter... Um, Undyne, and you discover uh, Alfie's huge crush on Undyne, and of course you kind of already know uh, that it's you know mutual, and so you have that moment where you have to do a romantic role play between Alfie's and the main character, uh,
2: playing out the the scene where one of you is pretending to be Undyne. That was the cutest thing. I just love all the different mechanics of the different dates. No one is very much like the other. Yeah, It's just good insight into the characters. It's so silly because, you know, this game plays on every single RPG, um, you know, trope. And uh, what would a modern RPG be without the ability to date uh, many of the different characters? Or are- I
1: mean, I really loved that you never were going to end up with any of these people. It became clear from the beginning of all the dates that, you know, you were... More invested than Well, they you're are. a
0: child. Like, yeah. <laughs> of course, you're not going to marry the skeleton guy or the fish woman. But, you know, it's so wonderful to, to see those relationships between them all grow. Like, you know, you, you could go through this game and if you don't touch on this stuff, you could just think, okay, I mean, that's what the genocide run is essentially is, okay, skeleton boss, fish lady boss scientist boss. Like, you you could not see the life that these characters have in this world where, you know, Papyrus admires Undyne, and and she wants the best for him. And even though she knows he'll never be a great guard person, she wants to teach him to cook so he'll have something to do with his life. And how Undyne respects Alphys for her, you know, science and her stick and and Alphys loves Undyne for her, you know, toughness. And all these little layers that you you don't pick up unless you get into these people's lives, and that's really what the uh, what the dates are all about. Yeah, pretty awesome. Well,
2: let's go ahead and move into the uh, the ending of the game. But before we get into the individual endings, you know, we've been saying these words over and over and over, genocide, pacifist and neutral, uh, I think it would be best to kind of discuss what we've learned about the universe um, and and how it's portrayed, because I think they do it very, very well.
0: Yeah, it's actually, there's so much more going on story-wise than, it, than I expected. Like, when going into this game, I kind of expected it to be on a level with something like Earthbound or maybe even lighter than that in terms of, like, lore you know there's 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 not a lot to earthbound lore if you know if you really want to nerd out about it there's some stuff but there's there's like there's a story and
2: you know there's backstory and there's a whole wiki full of stuff (laughs) and like unreliable narrators and and like all sorts of (laughs) it's it's definitely uh, layered and and it just speaks to the um the intelligence of the design of the game (laughs) On every level from the music to the gameplay to the storytelling like you could just play through this game and be like that was silly or like us we could like obsess over it and like reagan read the uh what i imagine is an infinite wiki i think that (laughs) you could just go and don't even get me started on the 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 tumblers
0: stuff oh god Dear God. There's there's a lot that you learn as you go through the game, and a lot of it is delivered in these really tiny fragments. Um, So, you know, there's different places where you'll walk through hallways and encounter animals or monsters that will tell you little bits of the story. And there's, there's signs and logs and things that you can read in various different places. And to sum it up, at least what we'd have learned through the neutral ending, um... You know, the underground is sealed by the barrier. We know that in the from the very beginning. But Asgore, the king of the underground, the um the you know, uh big bad of the game, or so it seems at the beginning. Um, big Dad. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh he's The Daddening continues. <laughs> indeed. And uh and Asgore is trying to break the barrier which will require seven human souls. And, uh, monsters can't pass through the barrier, but humans can because they have a soul and monsters have souls too, but they're different. And it doesn't go into a lot of detail until we get through to some more depth, but we know that monster souls can't cross the barrier and human souls can. And we know that we're not the first human to fall into the underground. When you fall down there, you know, uh, and you, you encounter Toriel at the very beginning of the game, she says, you know, I, I've lost count of the number of humans that have come through, and all of them went, and they were all killed, and yeah, which we know the number we it do six <laughs> it was six, and <laughs> they only need seven we're it, we're the last one,
2: yeah, and what's really funny, too, I love what they did with Asgore because asgore is like really treated as like the bad guy, but every single person that talks about Asgore loves as asgore. <laughs> yeah. asgore like. You've got Metaton as, like, the pop culture icon. Asgore is like, like, like Laura said, he's like the dad, like everybody. What, what's one of his real name? It's like Mr. Fluffy Pants or something like that. I can't remember the... <laughs> yeah, like. you
1: can actually, after the pacifist run, find out the origin of that nickname, Fluffykins.
2: So what we know is that Asgore, uh, despite everyone saying that, you know, he's a great guy, um, he wants to, after collecting seven uh human souls go across the barrier destroy all of humanity destroy the barrier so that the monsters can then come in and populate yeah he wants uh, he wants to start the war again basically like there was a war they got trapped down there he wants to break out and
0: get revenge and you know who wouldn't um but if you've if you've been you know meeting all of these monsters and presumably being a nice guy through most of it and you get all the way to the end just before we encounter Asgore Sans our buddy from the very beginning of the game Sans is such a great character <laughs> He uh he he comes out and kind of weighs your sins you know he's kind of the uh kind of the what's the name of that Egyptian god who puts your heart on a he kind of Osiris? measures
2: you up before. Thank you. See, Laura, you got the good education. Didn't you guys go like to the same school for the majority of? No, <laughs> no, okay. <laughs> no, she 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 went to a real college. Um, oh, okay.
1: And we also went to different high schools. Yes, oh, we
0: did. Okay. We went to middle school together.
2: Also, she went to Pres- Professor Xavier's Academy. I
1: mean, I am
0: a mutant, yeah. so.
2: <laughs> I only just recently learned that I don't know any of your real names, so. Uh. <laughs> so um, we meet up
0: with Sans for the final time, and uh, he he kind of gives you an assessment of your morality through the game, and it's pretty cute. Something that's very interesting at the end is that he tells you that you have zero XP, that is, execution points. And that you have a level, L, an LV of one that is your level of violence, uh, which I think turns that moment on its head. Like if you've been playing the game like a real RPG, you know, at the end of an RPG, what have you gained? You've gained a high level of violence and you've gained many execution points. And I love <laughs> that, like, that, like, shame of that that that's and and the fact that that you know the in my playthrough Sans decided hmm you know i guess you're okay uh, good luck in there with asgore try not to kill him um like i loved that scene even though it was really brief because it kind of lets you reflect
2: on hey look you you managed to get through this game without hurting anything they also make it a joke out of it cuz they make a joke out of everything but it's like a hooded figure that like explains everything and then out of the out of the silence it comes that stupid Sans noise <laughs> and then you're like oh my god it's him again um, so I played the uh, the neutral I mean I go, I know technically like your your first run through is pretty much always going to be the neutral run anyway mm-hmm. um, but I had a experience in which the only thing that I killed was the only thing that truly loves you which was Toriel mm-hmm. um, that is the one thing I killed on my first run what did Sans I, say to you about it um, it was very, I mean, it was neutral. It was just like, hey, here's where you are. Um, how do you feel about the choices you've made? And then that's it. Um, and you, you go through and you meet Asgore. Um, and this is the same on all playthroughs. But you meet Asgore, who is really reluctant, at least on the neutral run. Really doesn't want to start this fight. In fact, he gives you many opportunities um, to be like, no, let's not fight. Which I know is partly like a gameplay mechanic because, like, it's the standard RPG thing. Like, once you've made this decision, you've gone past everything and now it's the end of the game. But it also feels a little real where he's like, you don't want to fight me right now. You don't have to. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what? Yeah, I don't want to fight you right now. Um, and when you finally do, uh, we've already talked about the fight, um, but he's very reluctant the entire time, uh, even in the neutral run. And you get to a pretty cool little ending where like you have to fight him there's um i think like the only actions are like talk and the only response is there's not much to say or something to that degree Mm -hmm. yeah so so you realize that like there's no gimmick here there's no mechanic because because they do the thing where it's like blue you can't be hit if you're not moving or so i thought i tried a million different things to be like well if i dodge these perfectly maybe he'll like I honor so Maybe
1: your, he'll love me. Yeah. yeah. Like,
2: you know, I, <laughs> I thought that for a long time. Like, what do I have to do to, like, make him stop fighting me? So I would do all these different things. T- like, okay, I have to go a full wave of attacks without getting hit. And then I, then he'll, like, believe that I'm real or something. And then, But really, you just have to fight him. And so uh, you bring him down, and he eventually gets, like, you take his health down. He gets down on one knee. You have two choices, either a fight, which represents, you know, kill him or mercy, which obviously represents not kill him. But the kind of crux is like, if you kill him, you are saying that you're going to kill him and go through the barrier and you'll just, you'll go home. You'll be out of the underworld or whatever it is and you're good. Or if you don't kill him, you will essentially stay there and, and live with him and, I chose to, um, you know, give him mercy the entire time. And you have to say mercy like six times. He keeps saying, like, why are you doing this? He actually gets to the point where he kind of asks you to kill him because he, um, and I'm going to paraphrase it really quickly, but basically he tells a really heartbreaking story about a human that fell down. He tried to bring it back to the human world. The humans all attacked him, and he had to flee back to the underworld, and he's been trying to, like, relive that moment. Um, loving and caring for a human.
1: Well, his son did.
2: It was his son, that's right. His
1: son son carried his best... um, uh, The kid fell down befriended his son. The son um, went through the barrier with the kid because the kid got really sick and wanted to to go back to his his village one last time to see the golden flowers. Um, Then everyone is like, oh no, this guy's a monster, and attacks
0: him. And this is the, sort of the first we hear about that, but it's it's a big deal, and it's it, it's fleshed out in the in the true ending. So we'll kind of talk about it more then. But we we hear all about the first human child,
1: and the son dies carrying him back through the barrier. Yeah,
0: and it was sort of this you know this loss that drove Azriel to start killing all the humans that fell down there, in the hopes of try, kind to trying to break down the barrier. And if you mercy Azriel or if you kill him, um, either way. Uh, you know, maybe you, you've just you've just given him mercy, and he's saying, "Oh, this will be great. You can stay. We'll stop fighting. We can be like a family." And then suddenly, out of nowhere, a bunch of bullets circle Asgore and destroy him, and he and his soul fades and away. It... Yeah, they destroy his soul. Ouch! And then out pops Flowey, and he says, "You idiot! Didn't I <laughs> tell you in this world, it's kill." Or be
2: killed, and then the game freaking crashes. Yeah, and you, ha- it's, it's so silly. Like, I actually got tricked, the game crashed, and I was like, What? Uh, well, all right. And I actually put it down for a minute, like, I stopped playing. I was like, Well, like, because the Asgore fight, while well, I did do it on like my second try, it's kind of a long fight,
0: yeah, and, and there's so no like,
2: save after, yeah, and there's no, and so I was like, Damn it. So I got super tricked. Close my laptop. I was like, "Well, I guess I'll deal with that later." Which, because again, at this point, I had not really taken advantage of like the the, the closing and like opening up save states and all that. Like I, you know, I hadn't really thought about that. So I really thought it crashed. And then I think I was saying something in the in our Slack channel, and you guys were like, "Yeah, it, that was." It just does that. I think that's
0: so genius. Like it's, it's another little way, like the way that it talks about and handles the save mechanic, that it blurs the line between the game and, you know, and you as the player. And this is sort of Flowey saying like, you think you're in control here. I'm in control here. And Flowey rage quits the game. Like insane.
2: Yeah. And, and sidebar real quick. Um, if you ever want to delete the game entirely to like do an entirely fresh run cuz again the game the game remembers everything that you've done even if you're starting over it's super tricky like there are save files like deep into the computer so that it can remember that stuff and I'm sure that it's not super technical but it felt like I've never seen another game that remembers stuff like that and and I and I love that kind of innovation on like a crazy little RPG maker game it because molly wanted to play it so i had to delete the whole game entirely and i kept you know it's like steam like delete local files and then i'd open the game back up and it'd be like <laughs> nope there he is yeah, yeah it'd be like uh oh, what are <laughs> you doing and and so it took me a while to delete the game but i actually opened it back up you know a couple hours later to play it again mm-hmm. and and you would then have to flight flowey oh
0: yeah and Fight when you first flowy. open it, it like it, it shows the normal like you're I, I was initially like oh crap the game crashed Damn it, Flowey! What'd you do? And then I reopened it, and you see what a part of the beginning sequence, and then it glitches out, and then you see the initial like load game or continue screen, and your save game has been renamed to Flowey, and he's at level nine 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 nine, and and when
2: you continue, you load instantly into a battle with Flowey. And I don't even know how to explain this. People should just go if if you're listening to this and you haven't played. I mean, heck,
0: you've played this, hopefully, right? Yeah. You know, you're one of the people that's played this. So you we had can to just play talk this about one. this battle. Like, this is the coolest looking battle. Like, this is such a, I know this won't really be a, a reference for you guys, but it really is a it's a clear homage to a lot of the stuff about this game is a clear homage to the last boss in um Uh, In Earthbound, which is deliberately creepy and kind of like plays on these, uh, you know, it's just very, very creepy for pixel art, as creepy as pixel art can get. And that's really what um, what this boss does. Flowey is now completely in control of your game. He's erased your save game, or so he says. And uh, now he has full control. He has all the human souls and he's going to use them to destroy you utterly. And the boss fight is, I mean, it's, it's kind of not win, not losable, which I think is a really interesting choice. Like we've essentially fought the last boss that you have to actually like beat essentially everything we do from this point on in the game on, and is not, it's not a short amount of stuff
2: is like. Almost on autoplay. Yeah, kind of. The boss was I. I actually. So here's where we're different. I had a harder time getting through the Flowey fight than I had on like any other fight in the game. I died to Flowey like fifteen times. What really? I didn't even know you could die here.
1: Oh, absolutely. You can.
2: For yeah. sure. In each you one can of his die. hits is like five. Oh,
0: I did it yeah. on yeah. first try. I thought it was impossible to die. <laughs> oh, that's Sorry. funny. No, no. So
2: yeah. So. There you go. Um, you yeah, definitely so, can die. Yeah, and it crashes the game every time you die. And then mm-hmm. you have to start it over, and it's like little text. It's like, ha, 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 what do you think you're doing? Like, I get to watch you die forever. And you start the game, and then you get killed like, by Like, how him. many
1: times are you going to do this?
2: Yeah. Now, for what it's you worth. You can't
1: get your game back.
2: Once you get past the early portion of the fight, It like you're saying, it does kind of become. Because um, essentially, you call in the help of these six other souls of the humans that had, been, had died before, and they provide you with copious healing uh, benefits. And once I got to that part, I never died again. Because like you said, you can just kind of like balance your life gain with how much you're losing. But yeah, like his his little like uh, airplane bombs, his little flamethrowers, his little vines, like they did a lot of damage, and I just was not very good at dodging them. So I died several times. Well, the battle is visually
0: really interesting. It's got this cool Photoshoppy look, and, um, you know, it's just throwing everything at you as fast as possible. But, you know, eventually you do beat Flowey, and you get your ability to save back. That's one of the most interesting things about this, and we hadn't really talked about it too much, and probably don't need to too much. But, like, be- the ability to save is a big theme in this game, as is the idea of determination. Um, so you know, because you have determination, you can save your game, and when you save your game or load your game, that's something that the character is doing in the context of the world. That's a power that your character has, which I think is a really interesting way of uh of kind of looking at that mechanic.
2: yeah, I mean, like what like very few games that I can think of acknowledge the player to that level? Like you saved your game, and we know you saved your game. And that is silly, like in RPG. It's it's all those RPGs where you just like ram your face into stuff until you figure out how to beat it, and then you beat it. But it never acknowledges it, and and the, this game hits everything.
1: Yeah, and once you actually manage to defeat this um, awesome 3D collage Photoshop version of Flowey, Flowey um, then you can choose to kill or show mercy. Um, and again, you have to, you know, this... And I showed mercy. And as such, I got a hint to how to complete the next ending. Mm-hmm. I had played completely passive. I hadn't killed a single thing except Asgore, um, which I had to. And so I got a little call from Flowey, being like, hey, you might want to you know, go check out, you know, go visit Undane. And then I got the letter for to go to the lab.
0: I really liked that it makes it. If you are playing pacifist, it does make sure that you see both endings because it's basically impossible to not get the neutral ending the first time through, and then it, it, you know, it hints at you, hey, go back and do this again.
1: It's a and lot of work, so it, it's like, yeah, just it, make sure you didn't miss that second ending.
0: Yeah, and. Um, The second ending is where we get a lot of sort of deep revelations about the plot, but what I will give the game credit for is that the neutral ending is a satisfying ending. It's not a perfect ending. You're leaving the underground and leaving all of your friends behind, and you get that sequence with the phone calls from them where they're, you know, telling you what's happening afterwards, and what's kind of neat there is that there's variations of it based on, like, who you killed or didn't kill. But, um, you're leaving the underground, you're leaving all of your friends behind, they're still trapped there. Um, which isn't as satisfying as you'd like it to be. So if you load back and try to do the full ending, you have to go through the lab where we learn some really dark and interesting stuff. Um, and then we get the opportunity to face Flowey a second time.
1: So, um, after you finish all of your dates and you go back to the lab, uh, you find out that, um... Alfie's has a secret and you go in what looks like a Japanese restroom.
0: Um, <laughs> I didn't make the connection, c- but yeah, you're I right. I mean, that's <laughs> what it looks
1: like. It has the little, um, uh, what looks like a little symbol and you hit it and it actually ends up being an elevator to what they call the true lab. And it's this dusty, um, creepy looking underground with another broken elevator. And there are screens with uh, sci-fi like journal entries giving you um, little hints at uh, what Alfie's been up to. And it turns out Alfie's been studying souls for Outscore. That's what the royal appointment was. Um, because, again, there's that soul power needed. So he's trying to figure out a way to harvest or have a vessel for how to use monster souls, possibly, um,
0: and strengthen them so they can get through the barrier. Um, and this is the first time that you get the... Uh, like, it kind of reveals that the game has been constantly using the word determination. Throughout the game, uh, and uh, you know, every time you see save... most commonly in the save points. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Every save is determination. Yeah.
0: Except for in the Temi village, then it's a determination. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, um, determination is more than just an abstract concept or theme here. In the world of the game, determination is the thing that makes human souls different from monster souls. It's a it's a power that allows a soul. To it gives a soul the will to live to persist after death, and they say that is why when a monster dies, their soul ceases to exist and they turn to dust. Whereas humans, when they die, um, their soul persists. And that's you know, that they're trying to get through the barrier by strengthening monster souls in order to make them more like human souls,
1: yeah. And what you see, kind of the results of the experimentation, um, you get these creepy, you know. I grab dead bodies. I put determination into them. Oh wait, now they're all alive. Oh wait, oops. Oh, I better turn to the families. All of this like awkwardness. Uh,
0: I felt so bad for Alfie's here because you've already got such affection for her, and then you find out she's doing this totally creepy Mengala shit. You know, like <laughs>
1: yeah, and and it results. You keep fighting these um, grotesque ghosts that are mashups of. You know, five or six of the characters you fought earlier. Yeah, like um, I mentioned earlier, the
0: the uh, the two um, uh, snow drakes who are so sad about uh, the snow drake's mom had died. Well, you meet a refrigerator in this that, well, it looks a lot like a snow drake, except it's got eyes in place, of, it's got mouths in place of eyes, and it's all screwed up. And um, what's really sad is that. You you know, it's it, presumably its husband, the adult Snowdrake, was a comedian. Well, you tell it jokes and it starts remembering more about its life and it starts to come back and that's how you make friends with it. Like it really kind of sad and creepy, too. Like the, it's hard to make scary pixel art, but I found the uh, the whole true lab sequence really unsettling and kind of scary.
1: Yeah, and you even find um, one area that's a videotape library where she says, hey, I was digging around the castle and found these tapes. And it's very jarring because you've just been creeped up all these ghosts, and then you put this tape in, and you keep hearing people referring to you by name. The the name you put in, which is creepier if you put your own name in, by the way. Oh, yeah, (laughs) Romango would not have been creeped out with people being like, hey, Laura, why don't you smile? I was like, ugh. And that's don't. why
2: I hide behind the mask of Romango, uh, <laughs> and you know what? Romango is living strong in uh, the wasteland right now. Uh, working oh, on my my settlements, um, killing some feral ghouls. We got to get a picture of uh, of new Romango of the wastes. <laughs> um, it pretty much looks like all the Romangos. Yeah, the 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 logs that you
0: pick up in the on, in the true lab are all mostly by. Uh, Uh, by Alfie's about her work, but those videotapes are kind of more deep, like they are, it seems, home videos, all with the lens cap on, so we didn't have to illustrate anything, uh, of Asgore and Toriel at home, and also of Asgore and Toriel's son, who we found out earlier had died, and his friend, the human, who goes by the same name as you, player character, uh, which is very confusing at that point.
1: Again, especially if it's your name.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Laura. I, I have to jump in. Uh, for this game, you need to remember, it was not Romango. Because it would not fit. It was Romang. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man. Totally, totally different character.
1: Yeah, so in this version, we've already revealed this connection between you and um, Asriel, um, the son. And once you complete the game and go back to have your boss fight... Um, it's interrupted by all your friends, which is all lovely until Flowey shows up again.
0: That, that scene was adorable. All, all of them show up and they say, hello, you know, Flo-y. we're, we're going to we're all going to be here together as friends and stop fighting. And no one's going to kill Asgore, which nobody wanted to do anyway. And we're all going to be buds. And then freaking Flowey shows up again. And at that point, I literally screamed. I was like, I <laughs> thought I killed you.
2: You know, like.
0: Uh, you did not kill him. No, no, I had, I had given him mercy, but but I I really like of course he was coming back, but it did blindside me a little bit. Uh, Cuz it seems like such a like ending. It seems like everything's fine, you know. Um I thought maybe we were going to find Flowey and like hug it out or something, but nope, there he is and we get another boss fight with him. This time when he reveals his true form, uh As Asriel Dreamer, the son of uh, Toriel and and, uh, Asgore.
1: Uh And it turns out that, you know, player name, a.k.a. Laura, was actually the first um, human that fell down. And uh, Laura and Asriel had this plan that they were going to go through the barrier, kidnap a bunch of humans and kind of maybe restart the war?
0: Yeah, yeah. like there's um, the plan involved, apparently now this is something that's delivered in dribs and drabs, so it's something you kind of have to piece together, but as best that I can understand it um, Asriel uh, and you know, player character name uh, were conspiring together to break down the barrier not in an evil way really although there is some indication that player character name the first human might have truly been evil um but the uh, uh their plan was for to allow the for the character for the player character name character i'm just going to call them first human for the first human to die <laughs> by poison and by eating some buttercups the gold flowers and then they carry true, you know, uh, first humans Asriel carries first humans body to the town where they're from Um, and they are attacked by the humans and uh, they don't end up killing the humans or getting any souls after all and the implication uh, or if you, uh, there's there's some places in the game where it's really spelled out all the details but they're hard to find apparently by the way if you beat the true ending, and then before completing the game and sort of finishing, you backtrack all the way to the very, very beginning of the game. Uh, You get an additional conversation with Asriel uh, in his sort of cute goat boy form that really spells out some more details. So if you haven't seen that, I know I didn't. I only backtracked about halfway just to kind of talk to the characters I wanted to. Um, But if you do, he reveals that really, in that moment, when the player character named First Human um, died, their souls merged together. And so it was really the First Human in Azriel's body carrying the First Human's body back to the town and with evil intent, the intent being to kill humans, take souls, and get revenge on all of humanity somehow by releasing the monsters. And it was Azriel who fought back against that. And in doing so, they went back and died together on the patch of flowers, leaving Azriel's dust on the flowers. And the dust is sort of the essence of the monster. It's what they turn into when they die. Later on, uh, Alphys uses that flower as the vessel for uh, determination.
1: Yeah, the, the medical experimentations. Yes. Let's... let's- not mince words, as I mean, basically, she is the lovable mad scientist who caused everything to go horribly wrong.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> Flowey is the everything. result of giving an object without a soul the determination to have the will to live. And because Flowey has no soul, but has the essence of Asriel he's turned evil by this. He becomes this evil creature with this creepy dark power and this drive to, uh, to you know, take over the world. And because he has so much determination, he had the ability to save, which is why he has the ability to go back in time or to mess with your save games, but when you enter the scene, you have more determination than him, which takes away his ability to save. So it explains why he's so resentful towards you. It's the character with the most determination that has control over saving and loading of the quote-unquote game or resetting the world. Yeah, and it's to
1: the game's credit that it doesn't sound like an exposition dump. They really do parcel it out very nicely. Yeah,
0: so what I just loaded on you is the result of, first of all, me playing through the game obsessively, watching it on YouTube multiple times, and then reading a bunch of wiki stuff to try to put that into a narrative order. Playing through it, it had that feeling that a lot of RPGs have, where you feel like you've just gotten a really satisfying ending, where all of the characters are where you want them to be. But there are still questions that are left only partially answered, and that if you really want to, you can tease out those answers by sorting it out for yourself or, you know, reading stuff. All this information is in the game. It's at the very least heavily hinted at. But really, what we're left with at the end of the game is just a really nice ending. Everybody gets out of the underground, and um, you go to live with Goat Mom in a house with a nice view.
1: Yeah, you get to wander back through, and everyone's happy now, and the bartender who wouldn't talk to you just says, da-da-da, da-da-da, da da good job.
2: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: and it's, it's great. Everyone's happy. Um, it Everyone is so happy, in fact, that if you completely complete the game and you try to play it again, Chloe's like, oh, God, please don't do that. Everyone's oh happy. God. Why would you bother resetting? Why would you destroy their lives? You know, you... this is
0: something that is, like, really Ugh. genius and heartbreaking. I want to play this game again. But you know what? I probably never will. And it's because every time I open the game, it says you know, everything's so nice now. Why would you don't do this to us? Don't reset the game. And I'm, I've am i opened it two or three times since then, and I can't make myself do it. I cannot reset the game when everything turned out so well, and the game literally asks me not to.
1: We have looked up, oh, some of us have looked up what happens during a side ending. I think we're going to leave that to, you know... I don't know why you would want to play one. The genocide
0: ending is fascinating.
1: Look it up online if you're curious.
0: I could never bring myself to do it. We'll have a link in the show notes to a video that I watched that kind of did it for me. I don't feel like I need to play it now that I watched this video. It's a nice full-length, almost hour-long video that shows you all of the key differences between the true ending – or excuse me, between any of the uh, the true or or, uh, neutral endings and the genocide ending. And I will say that it's worth watching just for the final boss fight alone, which has music and, and mechanics and all sorts of stuff that you just don't see in the main game. And the final boss fight uh, is, is stellar. It's stunning. So it's worth watching. I, I feel my game experience is complete without doing it myself, but I'm glad
2: I watched it. So we received a really awesome email from the same listener who actually, you know, basically said that we should play this game. Uh, we talked about him in the last game, I'm sorry, the last episode, Cowway. He wrote... I, Thanks like again, said, buddy. Yeah, like an essay. Like, this is this was <laughs> fantastic reading, and I, I do want to read a little bit of it uh, for our listeners, and it's some it's some really good insight. And uh, I, I have trimmed a couple parts, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, because, again, it was awesome, and... Uh, like, thank you again for, uh, for writing it. So, the game does a lot of neat things that subvert some experienced gaming impulses. It seems to have a different way of incentivizing the player. Doing things like the normal RPG way where you kill everything you come across makes it so you gain levels of violence and thus have more HP. But it also deprives you of some aspects of the world. I haven't done this myself since I don't have the heart, but if you go around killing things, you lose the ability to interact fully with the world since denizens of the world are killed in battle. If you go around killing absolutely everything, you don't get puzzles, you don't get to talk to NPCs, everybody runs away from you, and you're just left with this tedious exercise of depopulating the world in a way that frankly seems very boring. Thus, Taking the normal RPG gamer route deprives you of a lot that makes this world very special, which is its humor, its characterization, and the attention to detail in the world. Uh, he would go on, uh, Kyle goes on to write about a article from Giant Bomb, which we will put in the show notes if anyone wants to read it. But it's actually a lot about what we were just kind of discussing Um Kyle writes, I think Austin Walker of Giant Bomb had a very good piece on the game and how it runs counter to the modern culture of achievement hunting and creating a piece of work where players can walk away satisfied enough that they don't feel the need to wring every single piece of content from it. The genocide path holds little interest for me because it involves a style of gameplay and outcomes that I'm not interested in pursuing. I played the game and reached a resolution that completely satisfi- satisfies me, and I'm happy to walk away from it with all of the positive memories I had from my experience, and I'm not asking any more from it. I'd never had that kind of feeling from a game before. Something, in, something
0: really amazing about the genocide ending is that it's not necessary But it's really all there. It's there as a totally valid pathway to play the game. But it's also, as Sans will tell you, going to give you a bad time. (laughs) The game as a whole is made better by the fact that this genocide ending exists, even if most players don't and shouldn't play it. Like, it's the fact that it exists and that you know it exists makes the choices that you make more meaningful as you make them through the game. Like, it really is important that it be there even if i will never play it
2: yeah i would love to see a life is strange uh, uh-esque stat line at the end like how many people killed uh you know washua and how many many people killed toriel and like how many people did a genocide run Mm. um i would love to see the breakdown of that yeah such a great game thank you guys so much for for talking about it with me you know
0: at such length and um Thanks uh, again to Kawe for writing in about it again. So our next game that we're going to be covering on the show is a real quickie that we won't be spending quite nearly as much time as we have on the last couple of things we've covered. We're going to be talking about Laura, what's the title again? I can't ever say it. I've just been calling it the bomb game.
1: Keep talking and no one, nobody explodes.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Laura. So keep talking and nobody explodes is our next game. This is a game that you have to play with a buddy. So if you uh, have one of those, you should give it a try. And we'll be talking about it on our next episode. Uh, This is a game that Laura played at one of the, uh, what was the event that you went
1: to again, Laura? Um, It was at Bitbash. And it is a great way to test what your perceived strength of your relationships
2: I feel like we should quantify or qualify that we're hoping to do this game for our next episode because <laughs> if, if, if we all die in the explosion that results, yeah. then if we won't works. be bringing this to you
0: next week. Yeah. But uh, hopefully we will be back next week with another episode of The Short Game. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode. If you want to follow along with uh, this or leave us any feedback, you can head to our website, www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a feedback form and you can write to us as Kau did, Kawe. Um, Or uh, you can follow all of us on the Twitter, which is where we spend a lot of our time. Too much, probably. I've been your host, Reagan Kelly, and you can find me on Twitter at Regan K, R-A-Y g a n k laura where can people find you
1: you can also find me on twitter at laura j nash
2: and nate where can people find you you can find me on twitter as well as deep in my vault uh but on twitter at nate stl and
0: shane who's been so quiet this episode where can people find you
2: oh well uh, i'm over at 8-bit shane
0: and thank you so much once again for joining us on this episode of the short game